Looking, looking forward to what you've got today, man. Thanks, mate. <laughs> cool. Thanks, man. Water boy. Thanks, I'm a water boy. <laughs> That's a step up for you, isn't it? <laughs> so this morning we're talking about how your struggle can become your superpower. What a topic, eh? What a fun topic. How many people here felt like a superhero when you got up this morning ready for church, yeah? Roddy put his hand up. I see a couple of hands up. Maybe a few superheroes are in the building. It's good to know. How many people felt like your superpower was fully charged up and ready to go this morning? Mate, what would you choose? Would it be like teleportation, maybe? Telekinesis? Maybe you'd be like a bit of a firebender, Rachel? Something like that? So your struggle can become your superpower. What a crazy topic. What a crazy concept we're going to unpack this morning. So before we go any further, I might just quickly read out the scripture that we'll be unpacking later on, just so that it's got time to sort of marinate in our hearts a little bit. And it's in a one Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, feel free to flick there because we'll be turning there later on. If you're new, it's towards the end of your Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 7. We'll quickly read this and then uh, we'll keep going. So Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. But just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Your struggle can become your superpower. What a cool, cool concept. Um, let me share a brief story with you first before we get any further. It's from when I used to be a youth worker and I used to do some mentoring of some kids out at East Tamer Primary School across the river there with a heap of young boys that had a lot of behavioural issues, a lot of trauma in their life, a lot of dysfunction in, in their home life, a lot of uh, broken families all of that sort of stuff. And I remember that as I worked out there for a couple of years, there was one particular lesson, one really valuable lesson that I learned. And I learned it after about six to nine months to 12 months. It was in my first year out there. And I remember there was one young boy in particular who, as I mentored, like, I just got so, so frustrated. <laughs> I got so frustrated because this kid, he'd come from like this hugely traumatic background. And we got to spend time with each other each week and I really enjoyed spending time with this kid, like he was this awesome kid. And he had all the skills, he had all the tools to be able to grow, to be able to move forward in life, not to be held back by some of that suffering, by some of that pain, by some of that heartache that had occurred earlier on in his childhood. So he had all these skills and all these tools, and so that, so, you know, he was smart enough. Like he could understand some of the concepts that we're talking about. Like he could understand a little bit about emotional regulation and identifying some of those different emotions and what they mean and how they impact others. He had enough social skills that he, he could make friends in the classroom and he could make friends in the, out in the lunchyard without necessarily just aggravating everybody and getting into fights all the time. He had enough support around him to be able to move forward in life. 
but for some reason, it just didn't quite click. It just didn't quite happen for him. So week after week, we'd have these sessions, and they'd go really, really, really well, <laughs> like really well. Like I'd feel really good about myself. I'd feel really good about him. I'd feel really good about the situation. I'd drop him back off at class. I'd think, yeah, we had some real breakthrough this morning. But for some reason, the breakthrough never really seemed to just kind of stay through. So I'd sort of like take him back to class, feeling really good. And then later on in the day, I'd walk through the office. I'd walk past the principal's office. And he was sitting outside the principal's office, but this young kid, week after week, and he'd be sitting there, whether it was in an angry state or a depressed state or whatever it was, no matter how much breakthrough we seemed to go through, he just couldn't seem to get out of his own way. How many of us have met people like that in our lives, where it doesn't matter what happens to them, how much growth they go through, how many good moments that they might have, that it comes a point where they just can't seem to get out of their own way. They just can't seem to be able to leave the baggage behind and move on with life. They can't just quite seem to just cross the T and dot the I's and just leave behind that trauma and that dysfunction behind. They just can't quite seem to be able to put it all together and work it all out. And it was hugely frustrating for me because I just, I could see it on the, the edge for this kid. I could just see this new life for him, but I could just see that for whatever reason, he just kept getting held back. Like the pull, the magnetism of his struggles just kept him where he was. And then one day it all just sort of clicked for me. I sort of had this moment of clarity, had this moment of understanding because like many young boys who struggle with some of the behavioural issues, he responds so well when he could go and help people. Like many young men, he responded really well when he was taken out into the schoolyard and he was paired up with the groundskeeper (laughs) and they did chores around the yard. Or if he was paired up with a teacher, and he helped out the teacher in the classroom. And what I came to understand was that it wasn't a matter of environment. It wasn't a matter of him being outdoors versus indoors. It wasn't a matter of classroom, like, like big group dynamics versus small group dynamics. What I came to understand was that for this young kid, there was something in his DNA where when he started to serve others, that it did something to his own sense of identity, to his own sense of well-being. And then as I was reflecting one day, I was reflecting about the teachings of Jesus, and specifically I was reflecting on some of those paradoxes, some of those times where Jesus said two things which seemed polar opposites, which both seemed to be true, but how on earth can they both possibly coexist at the same time? So I was kind of wrestling with these concepts about how Jesus said it is more blessed to give than what it is to receive. It sort of doesn't necessarily make sense, but at the same time it makes total sense. I was wrestling with the concept of where Jesus said that we must give up our life in order to save it, like we must lose our life in order to save it. And what I came to understand in that moment was that for this kid, in order to close the book on the chapter of that pain and that trauma, he had to go from a position of receiving help to giving help. He had to go from this position of being served to serve. And so what we did is we restructured our mentoring sessions. And so... It, rather than just being one-on-one or one-on-two sort of thing like this, where we're, uh, he started to help me co-facilitate a group for some of the other young boys in the school. And as he started to co-facilitate this miraculous transformation, which I could never quite seem to do in the months preceding, started to come over him. All of a sudden, as he helped other young boys forgive and let go of their past, he was able to forgive and let go of some parts of his past. As he helped the other young boys to talk about things like anger and behaviour, he was able to let go of some of his anger. As he started to talk to them about generosity and kindness and looking out for some of the ones on the outside of the social group, 
he was able to do all of those things himself as well. And this miracle came over this kid and he was able to step into this new life and it wasn't because of any new understanding that he had about his own struggles, but rather he was able to leave the struggles behind as he started to use his experience of the struggle to help somebody else. What I came to understand is that God's done a really funny thing in the way that he's created all of mankind. He's done something strange in the way that he's hardwired us and that the way that he's hardwired us is that there's a need for us to be able to give up and to serve and to lose ourselves to others, which enables us to get through our own stuff, which enables us to become more resilient human beings. And so it's a really powerful concept. It's a really important learning for all of us to understand because the truth of the matter is, is that we all go through life and in life there are moments of pain. There are moments of heartache, there are moments of struggle, there are moments of suffering, and we cannot escape it. Whether it's the loss of relationship, or the loss of life, or the loss of a job, or maybe it's addiction, or maybe it's injury or illness. Whatever it is, we've all got this commonality. The story of mankind, the commonality amongst all of it is that we all have to go through moments of struggle and suffering and pain and heartbreak and heartache in our lives. And the truth of the matter is, is that we can't really quite let go of that struggle. There's something hardwired into our DNA where we have to find a way to weaponize that struggle so it becomes our superpower in order for us to leave it behind. Does that make sense a little bit? So what I'd like to do is to help me unpack some of this, because I know it's sort of like a strange sort of concept. I'm sort of talking in weird language, I suppose. What I'd like to do to be able to help unpack it is I'd like to invite two amazing young leaders up to the stage. So can I have Alex and Ebony? Can you guys come on up here? Can we give these guys a massive round of applause? These guys are brave enough to come and help me, um, come and help me unpack this whole concept. Hey, guys. Good to have you guys up here. So the, I've obviously got a youth group bias, <laughs> quite clearly, because all my stories about youth group. And then I get an opportunity to interview people, and who do I pick? I pick some of our awesome young leaders from the youth group. So I'm sorry for the youth group bias, but these guys are just phenomenal young leaders, and I think that they've got something to share with us today that would help us all understand and unpack how to make that struggle, how to turn that suffering into our superpower so that we can uh, go to a new level in life. So good to have you guys up here. Thank you for being so brave, hey? Can, why don't you guys start by telling us, why don't we, you just tell us all something that you like about the youth group, something that stands out like a highlight. It can be a silly quick, um, story, it can be something serious, I don't really care. Why don't you tell us something about that? Alex, you go. Volleyball's fun. Um, I yeah. It was a good idea of Rachel's. Good job with that. So, just oh, let me just pause for a second. So, that's hilarious that you picked volleyball because when I was at the prison, the most popular game was volleyball and I could never work it out. And now, all of a sudden, all the youth are playing volleyball. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, just one thing that's really cool is we get, like, heaps of non-Christian kids and they still, like, come along even though we have, like, a short, sh- short sessions about God. But they invite all their friends and they, they all do. have, like, a really cool time every, every week. That's pretty cool, isn't it? pretty fun. All right, now I'm going to get these questions out because I don't want to set you up with a question that I haven't given you beforehand because that would be unfair to you, wouldn't it? That would make you really anxious. All right, so each of you guys have got like a, a, as I watch you guys at youth group, both of you have got like either a couple of kids that you especially sort of click with, connect with, or like a certain type of kid that you both sort of connect with. Do you know what I mean? Do you guys want to tell everybody else here 
who I'm talking about, like what I'm talking about when I say that? Who wants to go first? Alex? Um, I suppose the kids that I try and engage with most are the ones that are, I wouldn't say outcast, but the ones who are kind of... They are a little bit outcast. (laughs) The ones who don't connect quite as well as others, let's just say that. They struggle a little bit, don't they? Yeah. Um, Whether that be because of their behavioural issues or because they just don't want to talk with people or don't want to get engaged, I try and help them into... um, the youth environment, I suppose. So that story that I've shared before about how there's a couple of kids that come every week and their parents were so afraid that they wouldn't be able to cope with the youth group environment so they stayed in the car park for the entirety of youth for a couple, the first couple of months. Alex is the one that's brought about the life transformation of those kids. It's been the most phenomenal thing and it's all happened over a game of Uno. It's been, <laughs> it's been incredible. What about, much. <laughs> what about you, Webb? So who do you, like, uh, who do you sort of connect well with at the youth group? Do you want to paint a picture for these guys? Yeah, we have, like, a lot of um, broken kids in there, and so they have a lot of uh, family struggles, and somehow I end up being the one that they always come to talk to. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm just there to listen to help them, like, and just love on them, and they, um, yeah, they love me back. (laughs) They sure do. (laughs) So knowing a little bit about their stories and your stories, guys, I I can see... um, how you guys have got some common sort of struggles, I suppose, which sort of push you guys together and help you guys connect. So I might throw to you first here, Ebony. So without getting too much into detail or anything like that, because it's not my story to share, but I know that um, in your story there's been some pain in, like, and some dysfunction in your home life, and that's sort of helped you with youth group. But do you just want to paint a bit of a picture for, for these guys about some of the struggles in your life? I know you've prepared a little bit for this one. Yeah. <laughs> So, I come from quite a broken family. Uh, We've lived below the poverty line, like, our whole lives. Um, So, growing up, everything was secondhand. Uh, We had little money for food throughout my entire school year, so I always gave everything. If we didn't have much, I didn't have lunch for school. I gave it to my siblings. Uh, And so, in turn, I became anorexic through... um, most of my high school years, so like year 10 to 12. Uh, Growing up, feeling completely alone, being bullied and unheard by my parents. Living in a big family is really hard. The young ones get all the attention, but me, the eldest, got left uh, with nothing. So I believed I wasn't a part of my own family. I ran away countless times with no one even noticing. Uh, We moved house constantly, so there was no stability at all. Uh, my parents split up uh, quite a few times and they've just sort of recently split up again. So uh, in year 10, the start of year 10, we didn't have a house, so we ended up living in a caravan park. So there's seven of, seven of us <laughs> living in a caravan and I slept in the annex and it was extremely cold. <laughs> uh, Can we give her just a bit of a <laughs> support, eh? Because she does this. So as long as I can remember, I've been shy and extremely anxious around people. But through um, coming to know God, meeting my amazing partner, Caleb, and having the church has been able to work miracles in me. And I never would have thought in a million years I'd be sitting up here talking to everybody. (laughs) Sorry, mate. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so good. So just staying with you here, Eb. so I remember that night at youth group a couple of months back where we were sitting in a small group and 
the group's talking about this topic of forgiveness and it's this robust discussion, but I remember this girl sitting across the circle from me next to you and I remember she leaned into you and she only whispered half a dozen words and I couldn't hear her, but in my spirit I knew what was said and my heart just broke. And I know that your heart broke too. And that as we unpacked that with that girl over those coming weeks, um, it was a really painful sort of experience. But do you think, how do you think that your... Um, struggles earlier in life prepared you for that moment? Uh, just being able to relate to them and be able to like genuinely understand what they're going through because you can share that you might have been through a similar situation or you have been through that situation and they can go, oh, they really do get it and that they can really actually open up to you and um, yeah, she's, she's amazing. <laughs> she's amazing. But yeah, my heart just like broke completely because I was like wow this is just so horrible for someone so young to go through something so horrible um, but you were able to give her yeah. a lot of comfort in but that yeah, moment yeah. weren't you I was also able to be there for her and uh, yeah we've had further conversations and she's um, she's even part of our leaders sort yeah. of semi leaders like yeah. little leaders um, group now so <laughs> <laughs> every time she sees yeah. you her face just lights up yeah, yeah definitely thing. yeah and then Alex and a little bit about your story. I know that when you guys moved here, being a kid, whenever you move schools or move homes, it's always difficult uh, with social stuff because sometimes it can feel like you're on the outside of the glass looking in. Was that like part of your experience? Yeah, so um, when we first moved here, I was almost 10, so I was kind of old enough that I'd already got a decent amount of friends in Melbourne and like I, that's where we used to live, by the way. Um, we like I knew I knew a lot of people there. I had good friend groups. I was I was settling in in a, in a way. Yeah. I was um, just old enough to be kind of really comfortable, be comfortable with where I was and not re- wanting to move. Yeah. So um, when we did move, I was very stubborn. I was very, <laughs> um, yeah, not really willing to to give Tazzy the uh, Tazzy the respect it deserved. I suppose <laughs> Tazzy uh, represents. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so like. Uh, with um, kids' church and stuff like that, I would always almost um, try and be the antisocial kid, the one who didn't want to participate, the one who didn't um, didn't involve themselves in any way. Yeah. Um, which is silly of me because uh, <laughs> I've just been too stubborn. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, in a way, yeah, that's kind of helped me with how... Um, I, I, I um, go about doing youth. Yeah, that's, um, that's interesting. So I definitely see that. Uh, I assume that that's why you are so good at immediately identifying the outsiders in the youth group and why you find it so easy to befriend them. Do you think that's the case? Definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so and I think one of the main things that I've got out of my personal experience is that I always try and think of if I, if I was to meet up with my younger self, how would I get myself involved and how would I, you know, try and get myself out of this, oh, this place sucks kind of <laughs> headspace. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's great. Awesome. And last question for both of you, okay? Um, so when you consider your struggles, everybody goes through struggles in life. The only thing that varies is just the intensity of it, I suppose. And so as you guys go through, have been through those struggles, as you reflect back now, do you consider them that they were just something to endure or was it a greater meaning behind it or through it barely came out of it does that make sense who wants to go first go on mate (laughs) um 
Yeah, I wouldn't call it so much as something to endure, but something to experience, I guess. Because yep. in, in my experience, um, it's sort of like... It's not like you have to persist with it and eventually it gets all right. It's like you have to persist with it and then it, it becomes something that's really a part of you in a way, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, like, if I hadn't had that experience, I wouldn't know how all these ki other kids felt or how many other people feel when they move or... Yeah. Um, you know, that sort of thing, as well as, you know, I wouldn't be able to live in a place like this. <laughs> That's great, mate. Awesome. And Ebony? <laughs> sure. So those struggles that you outlined earlier, as you look back on them, how do you interpret that? Like, is it, was it just something that you just had to get through or do you, have you been able to take some value from that? Uh, so when I had my struggles, there was a youth group I used to go to and they were always there for me, so... Um, now growing up and being in my own, like being a leader, um, it's kind of become my goal to be there for other kids and that having my trials has like uh, given me uh, wisdom into what kids yeah. are feeling these days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and to just show, um, yeah, just being a leader is really cool because we're giving them a sense of community and family and love and that's just so much stuff that they don't have and that youth for me was the escape from home, escape from school, even mm -hmm. though I sat in the back and didn't <laughs> want to talk to anyone. Um, there were still people there that loved on me, but yeah. That's so cool. How about we give these guys a massive round of applause? So I want you guys to sit down. You can leave your microphone just there, I think. Great job. Yeah, you guys are awesome, hey? It's all good. I don't think it's going to roll too far. Awesome. What amazing testimonies of grace in our church, hey? I just love the way that we've got such incredible young leaders that are, and they're here doing these sorts of things because of 10 plus years of community, you know? That's just community times time, isn't it? Like, it's pretty special. Um, so, how about I just quickly pray? Can we just pray for these guys real quick? Is that okay? Just because they poured themselves out and it was a little bit scary for them, I'd imagine. God, I just want to thank you for these two awesome young leaders and I just pray that you may just... Um, continue to encourage them, continue to uh, strengthen them and I just pray that as they sit down now that they will not be uh, attacked with self-doubt but rather that they may feel encouraged and I just pray that their words might just inspire and equip other people in this room, that the seeds that they've sown may just um, be planted and may produce much fruit. Amen. You guys are awesome. So going on with this concept that our struggle can become our superpower, so the question then becomes, I suppose, how do we weaponize that? How do we make that struggle in, into our superpower? How do we make it more than just something that we have to endure with resilience, but rather how do we use our resilience in that equation so that it becomes a part of us moving forward so that we can become more, I suppose. So I'd like to turn back to that uh, scripture that we shared at the start. So if you remember two weeks ago when I was up here last and we shared about the story about Paul and Timothy and we talked about the amazing apprenticeship in suffering... <laughs> that Paul took Timothy through. So obviously Paul experienced all of that too, so he truly knew what it was to suffer and to go through hardship and pain and heartache and heartbreak. And so when he writes these words, I think that he knows a little bit about resilience. I think he knows a little bit about suffering. So let's unpack it, hey? So he, he writes to the Church of Corinth, let's read it again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. What a beautiful verse. The God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. I love how Paul starts off here, and he starts by glorifying God. 
He starts by raising his perspective up and he changes his posture and he looks up. And the wonderful thing, as many of you guys know and can testify in parts of your own story about this, is that the moment that we start with a posture of looking up, the moment that we reorientate our worldview through the perspective of heaven, when we look through the window of heaven at our struggles, the higher that we worship and that we praise God, like what Paul is doing here, the higher that we glorify and magnify our God, the smaller and less significant our struggles then become. Those feelings of hopelessness and helplessness are seriously diminished and reduced because all of a sudden we're reminded that God is still God and that God is still in control and that God still reigns and that God is supreme. And we're also reminded that God is the God of comfort, that He is the originator and the author of love, (laughs) that He is the originator and author of mercy and that His mercy is in you every day. And so when Paul starts off, Speaking into a moment of hardship for the church of Corinth, he starts by reorientating their worldview through the perspective and through the lens of heaven. And I think that's the very first thing that we should always do when we come into these moments and these seasons of of pain. The first and best thing that we can ever do is to lift up a moment of worship and just glorify God because it does something wonderful to our perspective. does something beautiful to the way that we see the giants and the struggles in the world around us. And then Paul goes on and he writes, so he just said, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. That's a powerful concept that Paul's starting to unpack here because what he's talking about is is that we've got um, a likeness, we've got similarity with Christ, that it comes through Christ, that our comfort comes through Christ. And what he's really getting at is he's getting at this picture that from death can come life. What he's getting at is this picture of a resurrection or of a baptism where we can go into the ground or go into the water and from that we can come out into a new life and we've got this great hope because of that. We've got this term in Christianity, it's a religious term, it's a spiritual term, but it's a term called redemption. And that's what Paul is getting at when he writes this, this wonderful concept of redemption. And what redemption is, redemption is the thought that no matter what your hardest moment was, that moment that you wouldn't wish to ever go through ever again, that thing, that pain, that suffering, that struggle that you wouldn't wish upon anybody else, that from that moment of death and despair can come life. That's the concept, that's the theme, that's the understanding of the power of redemption and it gives us such hope. And, And Christ is the perfect picture of this because on Good Friday, the worst day in all of human history, the most unimaginable thing happened. God died. The Son of God died the most innocent person in all of human history, died. But yet, three days later, we're celebrating a resurrection and a new life. From death can come life. And that's the power and that's the scope of redemption. And it gives me such hope. It gives me such wonder because where on earth, where on earth, where else do people go to for this type of hope? I don't understand. I cannot wrap my head around where in the world people go to for hope. In those moments of suffering, in those moments of struggle, where else but through Jesus, through the power of redemption, through the power of 
death to life can we go to for such hope? We are so blessed that this is a part of our faith, that this is a part of our understanding. And, you know, I think the world is desperate for a message of hope, for an understanding that from those moments of death, like for that girl that Ebony ministered to, from that moment of death that she's experienced, there's still a message of hope and redemption for her still. It's a beautiful, beautiful concept. It's this powerful thought. You know, there's this amazing quote by this guy called Frank Vogel. And the quote's going to come up on the screen here. This amazing quote. So this guy, Frank Vogel, he, if you haven't heard of him, he survived the Holocaust. He survived Auschwitz. And he wrote these powerful, famous words. He said, suffering ceases to be suffering the moment it finds meaning. Wow! What a powerful thought. What a life-changing concept. That the struggle and the suffering that we endure ceases to only be suffering the moment that it finds meaning. That is the power of redemption, friends. That is the power of the Christian message. That is the power of the resurrection. That is the power of the moments of death in our life being transformed into life. And then Paul goes on. In the remainder of these verses, he says, If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance. Is that not the most perfect definition of resilience? (laughs) Patient endurance, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Comfort and suffering, huh? Just as I am comforted, it's for your benefit. Just as I suffer, it's for your benefit. Just as you suffer, it's for my benefit. And just as you're comforted, it's for my benefit. God transforms and God redeems those moments of suffering. And being the author and the originator of comfort, (laughs) He gives it to you in order to help someone else. It's part of the great paradox of the Christian faith that what's given to you wasn't necessarily for you, but for somebody else. And so what Paul's getting at when he says all of this is that resilience, and this is a crucial understanding, and I want you to get this, resilience is a team sport. (laughs) Resilience is a team sport. In order to make our suffering into our superpower, we have to understand that resilience is a team sport and it can only be done in the presence of community. That struggle that you're going through and that story of overcoming that you're going through, that wasn't meant for the self-help section of the bookstore. <laughs> it's meant for the help others section. Resilience is a team sport and it's only through the power of community when we go beyond just simply connecting, the power of community that we can truly wrestle with this thing called resilience, that we can truly make this suffering into our superpower. In the equation of suffering, in the equation of pain, we need community at every part of it. We need comfort at every part of it. So as we're going, if you think of um, that moment of suffering as like a timeline or an equation or whatever, as you're coming into that moment, we need team, we need community around us to hold our hand. We need people that have gone before us to hold our hand and to say, yeah, you know what, you're going to make it through. God still reigns and He's the God of comfort and you're going to make it through. But as we're coming through this moment of hardship and as we're coming out of that moment of hardship, we also need to be able to 
through community the other way and reach back and help others through as well. Coming back to that story of that kid from East Tamer Primary School, he was only able to let go of some of the demons of his past and be able to experience true life transformation once he started to help other people. There's something that God has done in the hardwiring of our DNA where we can't just be consumerism, but there has to be an aspect of where we help one another. I think this is why God summed up all of, or Jesus summed up all of Christianity in those four precious words when he said, love God and love others. Without the love others, we can't truly, we can't truly um, accomplish our mission and accomplish the purpose of our faith. We can't live out God's glorious plan for our lives unless we're willing to love others. So the question now becomes, moving forward, how do you weaponize your suffering? How do you turn your suffering into your superpower? And the answer is really, really simple. It's simply just to go beyond connection into community and to just bless someone, whatever that might look like. Going beyond connection so simply just saying hello at the door. Like saying hello to somebody at the door is amazing. If you didn't say somebody hello, say hello to somebody at the door, I can't even get my words out. Then you missed out. <laughs> but the purpose of, the, of community is far greater than just connection. There's something special that happens when we do community with someone. And that's why we talk about things like small groups. It's why we talk about things like authenticity and vulnerability. It's why we talk about doing life in partnership with one another, like what they did in the early church, as we read in Acts chapter 2. And so my challenge for us moving forward is how can you use your struggles to bless somebody else? How can you use your struggle to bless somebody else? And it all starts with simply looking beyond ourselves, (laughs) which is the most painful and the most difficult thing I think that we can possibly do in, in our walk because inherently I think we are at times selfish beings. And it's uncomfortable when we look elsewhere. Kate, can you and the team come up for a second? So what we're going to do in a moment is we're going to transition into a bit of communion. And I forgot to tee up the team about which part they needed to come and get onto the stage. That's why I had to do an ugly transition like that to invite them up. (laughs) My bad. But we're about to do communion. And communion is a really important part of this morning. Because... It's exactly what we're talking about with redemption. It's, you guys are welcome to come up here and take this stuff. That's fine. <laughs> so as we take the, the juice and the bread, we are remembering what Christ did. We're remembering the fact that he died and from death there was life. We're celebrating the fact that God is a God of redemption, that he is a redeemer and that my redeemer lives. Right? Powerful, beautiful concept. And so I've asked Kate and the team to play a special song this morning. And I've asked them to play a special song because I want us to take a moment over communion to reflect on who our God says we are. Remember, Paul started this whole morning (laughs) by declaring who God was because Paul understood who he was in the eyes of God. And so this morning when we come around communion, I want us to celebrate the realities of redemption in our lives, but I also want us to take a moment to consider the struggles that God has led us through, the victories that God has given us where he's taken us from victim to victory.
but I'll just quickly pray and then I'll invite you guys into communion, okay? Jesus, I just want to thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for your death. And God, I thank you that you are the redeemer and that from death comes life. From death comes victory. And God, I pray that as we come around this time of communion this morning and celebrate what you have done, I pray, God, that you may highlight some things in our lives that are worth celebrating. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we come and do communion, hey? Selena, why don't you lead us off, mate? Barefoot and all. <laughs> That's it. such a powerful powerful thing I just want to leave you a couple of quick statements first is that you can't bounce back alone this whole series is about resilience but God is hardwired with us for the need for community so you cannot bounce back alone the second thing is, is that somebody else can't bounce back without you Called to be participants in the great mission, hey. And the other thing, of course, is simply that your struggle can be your superpower. So, what we're going to do now is I'm actually going to give you an opportunity to quickly practice <laughs> as we close and as we finish this morning before you all duck and sneak out the back door, like refugees, as someone at a friend of another church called you. But I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to practice what we've just talked about this morning. Because there are people in this room, like we are the church, there are people in this room, if not all of us, that are going through moments of suffering, moments of hardship, moments of pain, moments of struggle. But just as we spoke before and we heard about some moments of struggle in the young lives of Ebony and Alex, some of us are going through some struggle at the moment and we could do with a little bit of help. If you're brave enough, and if you're going through a bit of struggle, and if you're brave enough, can I just get you to just lift up your hand? I promise I'm not going to do anything too embarrassing. But if you'd like some prayer this morning, can I just get you to lift up your hand? I see a few people with their hands up. It's all right. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. I see there's a few people with their hands up around the room. Thank you so much. You're also so brave. You can put your hand back down. So being the church, we can now actually practice doing community instead of just connection in the way that we come alongside one another and support each other to help be a little bit more resilient. That our comfort and our previous suffering can provide some comfort to somebody else that's currently suffering, right? That just as Paul wrote that through Christ, there's this thing called redemption, right? That we can lean on one another too. So those people that put their hands up, we're just going to pray for them now. As the church, as the water church, we can all be participants in this, right? So if you're nearby, then maybe you can ask if you can put a hand on their shoulder or something like that. But otherwise, maybe if you can just put your hand out towards somebody that put their hand up. And as a church, we're just going to pray together just to practice this, just to close the service, okay? Can we do that? All right. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for those that were brave enough just to put their hand up and just to say, yeah, God, that's me. I'm going through a moment and a season of struggle. And so, God, we just pray that right now, we pray as the church, we pray in unity. Your word says that we're a 
couple of us are gathered in your name, then you will hear. So Father, we just want to speak into the lives of these people that have been brave enough to put up their hand. And God, we just pray for your intervention. We just pray for your resolution. We just pray for your victory in the circumstances of life. But more than that, God, we just pray that as the, the author of comfort, as the source of all comfort, as the originator of comfort, that you may just come alongside these individuals today. That your peace, which transcends all understanding, may just fall on their hearts and minds. God, we just pray that you may just bless these wonderful people. And everybody in the room said, Amen. Well, church, that's it for this morning. Thank you so much for doing Resilience as a family. What a special moment, hey? Um, On your way out, make sure you buy somebody a coffee or something like that. Give somebody a hug. Otherwise, we'll see you next week with Mark Connor. See you, everybody.